Mogul Motivation, empowering and inspiring entrepreneurs and dream chasers worldwide, one week at a time. Presented by True Stories Media, and I'm your host, Antoine Twiz Taylor. Curtis Rowe is a man that's found success in every arena he's walked into. Corporate America, entrepreneurship, real estate, franchising, you name it. On this episode of Aspire Hire, he's going to tell us about his journey and what kept him motivated to keep going throughout all the ups and downs when he first started and to where he is now today. Curtis, when did you decide that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? How did you even um, generate that idea in your mind? Um, Antoine, I think I had an entrepreneurial spirit uh, literally back in high school. I went, I was a business major. Um, went on to college, a business major in accounting. Um, about nineteen, uh, about nineteen ninety, I graduated from college in eighty nine. About nineteen ninety two, after about three years in sales, um, I started having a a desire to do my own thing, and I just kind of felt like if I gave my own business the same energy that. I was given a, a corporate job. I, I, I thought I had a reasonable chance of trying to be successful. So I think the um, the entrepreneurial spirit uh, has been in me pretty much all of my adult life. Did you have any entrepreneurs in your family, like parents or you know uncles, aunts, anything like that? Well, good question. Um, <laughs> I guess not, because nothing sticks out. I mean. Um, my dad was a, just a, a hardworking guy. Worked two jobs um, to to make ends meet, and you know, so I I think that was you know that was what the the, the profile I saw just hard work. You got a chance of succeeding out here. So when you decided to, you say you was in sales for three years. You said, well, yeah, I did a total of about five years in sales before I ventured out to my first uh, entrepreneurial uh, venture. Like I. I graduated college in 89 from Chicago State University and um, started my my first business in 1994. Um, that was okay. a, a snack food distribution and brokerage company. And, and what did you guys do there? Like, okay, it's, you distri- distributed snacks, I assume, based off the uh, the name. But yeah. like, you know, what? how did that business work, you know? Well, one of the things uh, from my sales experience, um, I was calling. I was calling on um, accounts here in the Chicago market at headquarters, um, putting promotions together for uh, companies that I had worked for, Abbott Laboratories and uh, Warner Lambert, uh, in that five-year window. And I kind of got a good idea how the process works, how you get you know get product in the stores. So um, I felt like this was an opportunity that. I had the experience and the uh, desire to do to do on my own. Like I said, what I was doing for the company. So it, as a distributor, uh, pretty similar to what you see, maybe like a little Debbie or a Hostess or even Frito Lay. You know, you you deliver the product to the stores. They give you a section, uh, shelf space. You're responsible um, for inventory. You know, it's stocking it, um, turning the product and. And just making sure that uh, you, you're, you're taking care of the section that they've allowed you to put your product in. Okay. That was the distribution side. And then on the brokering side, um, I represented different uh, different products that wanted to get into some of these stores, such as, the, you know, your Jewel, your um, Walgreens, Osco's, and so forth in the market. And, and a lot of the uh, 
the independent certified grocers and, and central grocers back then. They were the um, had all all of the uh, major had all of the major uh, grocery store businesses. Okay. Okay. And you um and so you was doing both sides of the coins, the broker, the brokering, and you know the distributing. How long did this business last? Uh, it lasted till about uh, nineteen ninety eight for about five years. Five years. And at that point, um, I was about twenty eight when I started the business, and um, uh, I, and I guess you know my perspective was I'm gonna I'm gonna run with this, and if it didn't work out to my you know you know, the, the financially felt like if it didn't work out, I was young enough that I could probably get back in corporate America. And after about five years, um, I decided that I needed to get back in corporate for, for a few years just to kind of get my coins back right. And, okay, uh, you know, and, but, but the entrepreneurial spirit never left. I got back in corporate for about, uh, about five years, roughly. And, um, and during that period, um, I went through a divorce, you know, a lot, a lot of, you know, a lot of challenges uh, beyond just trying to to run the business, but just the personal life just wasn't right. And obviously it affected me in many ways. So, um, so that was a transitional period that five years that, um, um, you know, when I got back in corporate. So um, that was from 94 till about 99, um, I was running that business. And in 99, I got back in corporate till about 2004. So okay. that was about about five year window that um, got and got back in sales. I got a uh, national account manager position, so I was doing a little traveling across the country, too much traveling and so forth. But mm-hmm. um, the whole goal, you know, um, the whole goal was to um, get myself back in position again, that uh, I could get back out there and, and chase some dreams again. So it, uh, it kind of worked out, you know. I mean, I did it for about five years and. I left corporate in 2004 and I've never looked back uh, since then. You know, so it's interesting you say, because, um, you know, my generation and the generations younger than me, uh, you know, we're engulfed with social media now. And, you know, I think it's a common notion for many people that no one really wants to work for anyone. And, and it is really more sort of geared towards corporate, right? Like, you know, when we say we don't want to work a job is it subconsciously we're talking about we don't want to work corporate America we don't want to work for these big name brands these big box stores and corporations and it's interesting you say that you was already an entrepreneur you had a business and you know uh, it sounds like it was a very solid business um, for that four-year five-year stretch but you know then life happened and your intent was never to give up your intent was to literally I'm going to use corporate for what I needed to be, which is, you know, finance my dreams, and then I'm just gonna keep keep it moving. And that's the belief that a lot of people have now, but you had this belief in the early 2000s, late 90s. So I found that very interesting that you said that. Yeah, well, thanks. I, I think, you know, the, the some of us, you know, uh, get the vision sooner than others. I mean, being, um, you know, and, and finding out what your purpose is, what, you know, what really your, um, your, your really your true desires are. And um, I was, like I said, I was very fortunate that really early on from high school, I enjoyed numbers. I enjoyed accounting. I enjoyed math. So um, I had, I didn't, it didn't take me long to find what discipline I was going to be in, which was in business, but just finding the, the right businesses that would be the right fit because, 
you know, what happens too many times we have a vision or, or we don't have the resources to, to match what our vision is. So um, I think what, you know, what I had to do is find things, you know, that you can afford and then build as opposed to too many times, you know, we want to start off, you know, hitting a home run and, you know, the reality is sometimes you have to start off hitting a single and touch every base before you can, you know, mm. really, really make it to the finish line. Mm. And I think that's, that's one of the things that, you know, I'll tell any entrepreneur or uh, someone that's desiring that is that, you know, you really have to be, be patient and, and really be, you know, be respectful of the process because it's not, you don't, you don't, you don't get the chance to, not too many times you get a chance to jump the line. I mean, you, you know, the process is the process in many things that we do. And if it's you or John Doe, the process is still the process. And you just have to learn to maneuver through the process where, you know, you're moving up the rings, you know, different layers in that process where you make it, you make yourself more valuable in, in trying to make connections with clients and potential clients and so forth. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very great point that you made. And that's something I had to learn myself as an entrepreneur, uh, about the home run, you know, um, <laughs> you know, we, we have these big visions that is nothing wrong with the big vision. You know, you should have uh, big dreams and big vision. You should, you know, you should never have, you know, a, um, a minor, you know, uh, just a vision in life, especially in entrepreneurship. But the problem is when we have that big vision, we kind of want that immediately. Um, and again, you know, just transparent, that's something I had to learn. I had to learn that, it's not about hitting that home run, as you say, coming out the gate. It's about hitting that single. Because if you can get three people yep. on base and then you hit that home run, now you got four runs as opposed to just hitting the home run and now you only got one. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I think, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great point that you made. And you went back into corporate America after your first business um, and you used it, like you said, to get your coins back up, to get the financing back up. And then you went back out there. So after you left corporate America in 2004, 2004 for the second time, what was your second business venture? And how did you even get introduced to it? Sure. Well, um, from 99 to 2004, um, started looking at, uh, you know, what were some sustainable opportunities? And one of the things that caught my eye was real estate. Um, you know, people always talked about real estate. Um, you know, it's an appreciating asset and, and so on and so forth. So I got the bug to um, start buying uh, rental units. And these were apartment buildings uh, here on the South side. And um, so I still had the corporate job and I started buying the buildings. And um, before I knew it, I won't say before I knew it, but quickly, uh, quickly what had occurred, I was up to a hundred apartment units and oh wow you know, and the bank you know the lender uh kind of made uh made me make some decisions or, or encouraged me to make some decisions i should say as far as you know we're getting a lot of exposure out here now with 100 units and all the money that uh you know we've lent you um we encourage you to do one or two things maybe you uh, hire a property management company or consider doing this full time and um, it was a no-brainer for me. I was I was acquiring the property so that I could make the transition from from corporate. So at that point uh, in 2004, I, I left you know I left the corporate job and um, was 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 doing very well. But I was you know the vision I saw with the real estate was that uh, you know this is 
this will more than, you know, um, offset what I was doing um, financially. And it was something I enjoyed doing. I mean, just me being um, my own boss and, and, and managing that whole process of, of just trying to, you know, bring affordable units to the South side that were, uh, you know, good units. And, and me personally being hands-on and, and my family managing it. And, and it, it was a, you know, it was the right time and the right fit. And fortunately, you know, was able to get the funding, the lenders um, to support me, you know, and they, they, they believed in what I was doing and they, you know, they continued to lend me the money. So it was a, it was a, you know, really the, probably one of the biggest transitions that occurred because, you know, I, I walked away from a, you know, a, a six figure income at that time. And, you know, I, I struggled with the security, but the 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 entrepreneurial spirit just superseded the the security and yeah you know and, and I guess in the back of my mind I still had that vision if this doesn't work guess what like you did before you can go back in corporate right right so, right that ain't so, going nowhere yeah yeah so I think you know um you know I was willing to take the chance but it, you know we, you know when we take chances I think we need to make sure that uh, we're managing the risk we're not just blindly jumping off the diving board and and just, you know, you know, doing things, you know, ad hoc, but, you know, so I, you know, financially, you know, I was okay. Um, but it was still a risk. Obviously you give up that kind of income. You've got a family, but Correct. You know, my wife was supportive of it. And, you know, she had, she still maintained her job. So, you know, kind of what I felt like Antoine, as long as she's okay, I can risk, I can take some risk. And if I fail, I can get back up as long as it doesn't affect the household and yeah um and that was 2004 and this is 2021 now and that's the last time i got a check from anyone uh in 2004 so yeah. i would i would like to think that you know things worked out yeah th things definitely worked out um absolutely so you you got the um, apartment buildings the real estate uh do you still have those buildings to this day no no, no. i got out of that business about about between between 12 and 14 and really, you know, we had that, uh, I guess we had to really around 2008 or nine is when, the, you know, we had some challenges when the credit crisis hit with the, all the, course, uh, the real estate problems. So, um, you know, so, you, you know, one thing you've learned, you, you learn if you do things long enough, you're going to see the whole gamut from A to Z. And, um, you know, I had, I had some good, bad, and certainly a lot of, you know, in between in, in my run with real estate, but. You know, the good thing, you know, when you get the opportunities, hopefully what you're able to do is leverage one experience, or, you know, to another opportunity. And, you know, that's what I've always tried to do, you know, in all, all, of, all of the things that I've pursued, you know, from my first job to, you know, like I said, leveraging, you know, starting my own business and it didn't work out. I leveraged, you know, saving my funds, getting back in corporate, leveraged that money, started up again no different with the real estate. Um, when I saw real estate was starting to have some challenges, I started looking for other opportunities and, you know, um, franchising at that point is, is um, I started saying franchising is an opportunity that for one, I think it will last long-term because everyone's, you know, everyone's going to eat obviously, but franchising the model, I think you've got so many big names behind it that it wouldn't, it would not, it would overcome any of these um, challenges that might, uh, might happen in, in the economies and so forth. That's good. And when, when did you get into franchise? How, how did you even, 
let's back up a little bit. So you just mentioned franchising. Um, so I assume that was kind of like the uh, the seed that you know sparked you sparked your interest in franchising. So take us about how that process went and you know your business in that industry. Well, sure. You know, um, I guess I had the interest um, in franchising as far back. I, it's funny. I still have the paperwork, but I had gotten uh, inquiries as early back as like 94, uh, 92, 94 from uh, McDonald's. And um, and also there was a, a new upstart happening uh, back then, early 90s. It was a checkers, checkers driving restaurants. They were really hot in the Chicago market. Uh, it took, you know, they've done some really good things. And you know, I wasn't financially uh, in position to, you know, be a franchisee, but I, I, I always had in the back of my mind, I think I told, you know, told myself if I ever got financially in position, I would love to revisit this because I just, I just felt like it was, you know, a good business model and it was something long-term. So, yeah. Um, so, and that's really, you know, I, I got the vision and the, I guess the interest back in the early nineties, um, but um, I didn't actually, from 92, 94, it, that original idea didn't become a reality until 98, I mean, until 08. So there was a, you know, 14 year window before I opened my first door. Um, mm-hmm. But, but you know, along the way, um, um, I think I still, I had the vision. I still believe that it was a great concept, but, you know, um, in my experience with business, you know, uh, things have to align. You can have the ideas and you don't have the funding, you know, just the, the, the vision is delayed, but it's not denied, you know, and you, you just kind of still have to um, just keep that vision, you know, in your mind and just, you know, hopefully if it's, if it really is something you really believe in, hopefully you'll work toward putting yourself financially in position to maybe be able to pursue those things. And that's kind of what I did. You um, said it was 2008 when you, got your first store checker store correct yeah yeah so i opened okay. yeah yeah correct 2008 2008 and this is kind of around the time when you know things start to go bad for real estate so was that is that what you mean when you say like things have to be aligned it's like you know it's kind of like one business probably began to take some hits and then another business opportunity presented itself yeah i think it's exactly you you know when you when you can see things, I mean, you look, you look for trends. I mean, when you start seeing trends and moving up, you, you, you're, you're excited about it. When you start seeing trends moving downward, um, you know, you start, you start saying we need to maybe reevaluate things. And uh, that's what I did. I think, you know, the, within, within businesses, within industries, a, a lot of times the, 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 you know, the, they, they all kind of move in the same direction, if you will. So if they're all, if, if during one era everything is trending upward, if you're if you're if you're in that category, your business is probably trending upward. Real estate, uh, you know, if it's trending downward, you know, um, it's a good chance the whole category, uh, if you're in it, you you're probably going to feel some of those effects as well. And yeah, um, and, and you know, you people lose their jobs. You know, um, that's just you know, that's just what happened. And I think what happens, you find out that you know, in the whole cycle we're all interconnected you know me as a landlord you as a tenant we all need each other me as a franchisee you know you as a customer you as a team member working for me we all need each other and if one part of that equation is not um in in the loop then you know what that wheel kind of falls apart so you've got it to checkers 
2008. Where was this location at? This was in uh, Harvey uh, Dixmore, 147th and uh, Western Avenue or Dixie Highway, Sibley Boulevard and Dixie Highway, okay. uh, right off of I-57 Interstate. Right, right. And, I know exactly where it's at, yep. And, you know, we were right directly across from McDonald's, you know, and, um, you know, people said, you you willing to compete against McDonald's, you're right across the street. And, you know, like anything, you have to do your research. And I, I think, you know, I was encouraged that there was a McDonald's by, nearby because my thinking was there's already people coming into this area. Looking yeah, it's for a high traffic food. area. High traffic exactly, area. exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, sometimes people uh, make assumptions without doing a little little research and you find out that the research will tell you uh, maybe differently than what you just might make an assumption on. So I'm, I'm, I'm always saying, let's, let's see what the numbers say before we, before we trust what an assumption might be. Yeah. And then, so 2008, you got it, you know, was, were you kind of nervous because have you, don't you have to have like restaurant experience, not only to just manage a restaurant, but, you know, own one? Well, you know, what I did, I, I signed a development agreement with Checkers to uh, develop five stores, um, okay. you know, gave, gave us the rights. And um, with that, with, with that comes um, training. If you're going to be the franchisee, the owner and the operator, um, then, you know, you, you have to learn it from the bottom up. And um, what the requirement was, you know, we literally had to go to the uh, headquarters, uh, which was Tampa, Florida, and go through training for a full month. Um, working, working in that market, you know, literally in the stores um, uh, as a crew member, as a manager, I mean, learning what the whole process was and, and that was the starting point. So I didn't have any experience, never worked in a fast food or restaurant, I had never flipped a burger in my life, but I think I felt like, you know, I had the business acumen that I could manage the business process and, and really, you know, the, the, what it really becomes, you know, <laughs> what's so important, you know, Antoine is really just finding the right talent. I mean, um, you know, uh, you start talking about franchise and you've got to have people working with you. I mean, yeah. you, can, you know, you can think you're so good at what you do, but uh, if you're franchise, more than likely you're looking at more, opening more than one store. So even if you're awesome, you can still only be at one store at one time. So it really becomes your whole thinking needs to be that I've got to build a team that's going to be supportive of what my vision is. And hopefully you treat people well enough that they support your vision and they're on board with it. So when you're not there, um, they're an ally for the business and not one that you're concerned about hurting the business. Absolutely. And you had the store in Harvey. That was the first of five. Uh, where were the other locations? Uh, well, we, that one opened uh, uh, in Harvey. And then a couple of years later, we opened one uh, in Chicago, Southside, 87th and Stony Island. Um, and that actually turned out to be the largest checkers in the country. Uh, the country, so really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that, that one just was a, a just a, a, a just did crazy, you know, just did crazy numbers. A lot of excitement. Checkers had been gone from the city with the exception of one store on 55th and uh, Wentworth off the Dan Ryan. Yeah, Checkers I remember that one too. Yeah, so Checkers had left the market. So, uh, and you know, so coming back into the city, it was just so much excitement that Checkers is back and so much nostalgia that people were. Had these memories i remember when checkers was here in the 90s and how good the food was so um you know it was it was just uh an exciting time a very exciting time hmm. okay so now we had uh 87 stony the biggest in the country uh that's yeah. that's an interesting fact <laughs> um, yeah. um yeah. so we had that one then what were what were your other locations 
Uh, the other location, uh, uh, 95th in Michigan, uh, right there, uh, right across from Abbey Park near the L. Um, yeah. Uh, by the Dan Ryan. So that was a conversion. It, it used to be a, a Kentucky Fried Chicken. I grew up not far from the area. And, uh, it was a Kentucky Fried Chicken. So um, Kentucky Fried Chicken closed, and uh, we were able to, you know, get that property and convert it to a checkers. Um, so we had, uh, you know, 95th Street, you know, uh, high volume by the L, and then 87th. Uh, high volume, 87th and obviously Stony Island, very high volume, high traffic volume locations as well as foot traffic as well. And then, you know, the one in Harvey, um, the original one. So we ultimately, we ended up doing three stores, didn't, didn't do any additional stores. So, okay. um, you know, so we, um, so, and then I think, so the deal was for five stores max, but you did up to five stores. Got it. Correct. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And what happens how those processes work, you know, you, you basically buy the rights. So like, you know, I, I bought the rights to develop locations on the South side during that, during that period without anyone else having uh, access to it. That's when you, that's what you do. You, you, you buy uh, the rights. So you sign a development agreement so that, um, you know, cause generally what happens if there becomes a lot of interest in the concept, then you got so many others that might want to join and jump into the concept. So you, you know, you may not have the, the locations, access to the locations as, as freely as you would if you got five or 10 others, you know, shooting, you know, wanting to become franchisees and, and looking at the same sites you might be looking at. So that was just the strategy on, on buying a development agreement. Even if we didn't do all the stores, at least we had access to the market without any, any competition during that period. So that got was a, that worked out for us. Got it. Got it. And um, you was in this business for how long? Uh, up until last year, I've been in the business. Um, last year in 20, I literally, um, I got a couple of offers and I had been getting offers from uh, other franchisees that um, there was other franchisees. Expand. Pardon? They wanted to expand and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the way this, you know, um, you know, three stores for me uh, directly overseeing it was, was probably the maximum um, without having to add another layer of management. Uh, when you go to five or six stores, and um, I, I, I think I, I, I think I kind of made the decision that three was enough for me. Uh, we were open from nine a.m. to three four in the morning, and um, you know it's a full time job. I mean, people people don't realize that you know fast food fast Man. food is uh, uh, it's a grind, and um, and you know and, and none of none of us get it right all the time. I mean, there's you know complaints here and there, but I can say from firsthand experience, we all generally have our number one goal is trying to take make, take care of each guest, making them happy. Because you know, if they don't come back, you know, if you're if you're a crew member working in the store and, and the sales slump, then you know what what happens. You know, you uh, the hours don't need as many people as many hours, so the hours are cut. So you have to make sure that your team understands there's a vested interest in all of us taking care of the guests. Um, you. You might, you know, you may go from 40 hours to 30, you know, if business is not, you know, as, as desired. So I think the, the thing that's important is making people understand that it's the vested interest for them to, for the business to be successful, for them to get the hours and, and, ha and, and have a budget. You know, we all have budgets that we have to live with. And what's better to have a budget that you can count on um, on a two-week basis or just, you know, peaks and valleys, not knowing kind of hard to live off of you know not having a consistent budget on what you, what your income can be so i think that's a big part of it just you know trying to get everybody to buy in and make sure we're all on the same page and 
Um, that's a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah, it's teamwork makes the dream work. I mean, it's really that simple. It's still, it's um, still true. It's, it, it sounds like a cliche, but it really, it really is true, Antoine. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. And I'm learning that more and more the um, older I get and the more I advance in my journey. Yep. So, um, you, so you sold the three stores. Uh, you know, you figured, you know, you ran your course, you know, um, you sold your three stores for another franchisee, I assume, uh, yeah, within yeah, the Checkers yeah. uh, Corporation. Um, so, what, what's next for you? You know, looking ahead into the future, like, are you thinking about going into another franchising business, more real estate? Like, you know, the entrepreneurial bug, the spirit doesn't leave. You know, you said that. So, and corporate America isn't an option. So, like, are you just, you know, just relaxing right <laughs> now? Or, you know, like, well, what's next for Curtis Rowe? That's funny you asked that. I mean, I, you know, I'm still in contact with, you know, some of my franchise franchisee peers at uh, here in the Chicago market and across the country. And mm -hmm. um, I think that's, you know, uh, that's one of those questions that keeps coming up. So Kurt, what are you, what are you working on or what are you, what are you planning on doing? Um, you know, you're, you're too active to, to not uh, be working on something. And, you know, I'll say right now, Antoine, I'm, I'm, I'm just evaluating the opportunities that, that I'm, that I'm looking at. And um, the one thing that I've been fortunate that, the uh, things that I've done, I've, I've truly had a passion for them. And I've got to make sure um, that I keep that same approach in whatever the next opportunity is. And um, if you're not having a passion, if you don't have passion for it and being an entrepreneur, it, it, it's kind of self self-defeating because um, all the work that you put in and, and, and the, you know, the liability and the, the risk you take um, if you don't really love it, it really why, why do it? I mean, you can get a paycheck for all those other reasons. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, so those are the things, you know, that, um, that I'm doing now. And, and I've got some, you know, I've got some good, some good things I'm looking at, but I think uh, like everything, I'm a numbers guy and, uh, you know, um, I, I, I make, uh, you know, I, I make so much of my decision making obviously is based on, on, on numbers and not just, uh, on the surface, you know, this looks like, this looks, this looks amazing, you know, because one thing I've learned in business, man, every time you peel an onion, you peel an onion back, uh, it usually has, a, it usually stinks a little more. It doesn't smell better. <laughs> okay. And, right. um, and I take that approach that, you know, let's peel the onion back, everything, everything you look at, peel the onion back and see, you know, see what it smells like. And, um, and, and sometimes you find out that, uh, uh, things are not as good uh, as good smelling as you think as you think they are on the surface once you peel the onion back. So, um, so I'm just trying to you know take my time and and make the right decisions. I mean I'm not getting any younger. So you know the the the, the philosophy I had when I was younger: if something doesn't fail, if something doesn't work, I'm young enough I can get back in. You know I don't have that same approach anymore because I'm not I'm not that 20 30 something year old guy anymore. You know so. Um, so you you know you 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 make sure that things are a little more calculated even before your risk you, your risk window gets even smaller now as you get a little older. Yeah, yeah. And w what would you say motivated you through all these years? You know, from when you graduated from Chicago State in '89, when it's corporate America. You know, you started your um, distribution business. Then you had to go back to corporate America. Then you started your real estate business, checkers, all of that. What's the central motivation for you through all of that, if you can boil it down to something? Well, you know, probably the the, the core of who I am is, is just such a competitive person. I love to win, you know, and, um, you know, one of the things that um, 
you know, that, that uh, probably saved me and helped me stay on track just, you know, growing up was playing sports, you know, and, um, and from those sports, you know, at a, at a competitive level, um, I think that competitiveness, I know that competitiveness transitioned over to, you know, my, my career, my, you know, my business life that I just love winning. Um, you know, and I love even in, you know, with sales, you, you know, reports come out, you always are trying to be at the top. I mean, it's certainly you get compensated for it, but I think even for me, I just think the recognition of being a top performer is something that I always, um, desire to be. I always want to be, um, a winner and, and, and so, you know, that's really, you know, the core the, the being competitive and, um, and the fun and enjoying the ride. I mean, competing is not, you know, um, competing is not, um, a negative, you know, just cause you don't, you know, even if you don't win, you know, sometimes it's even, you know, you got to give other guy credit for, you know, for outperforming as well. When you give all you have and you, you've done all you can, you say, Hey, great job to you, man. You won, you know, so, uh, but I think for me, the number one thing is just, you know, um, I love competing. I, I, I just, and I love winning. You know, I love winning. And you definitely won. You definitely won. Well, you know, it's a, it's a moving target, Antoine. I, I, I like to think that uh, I'm always of the opinion um, when you're describing oneself, um, hopefully you still got good, you know, you, hopefully you're still doing things in the current as opposed to, looking back over your um your past as far as describing um you know the, I, I like to i like to be relevant in the now you know so i, I correct I, so i i'd like to think that and i i, I, I say that only to say i want to keep winning and uh, where it becomes stays current as opposed to past tense one you know what i mean yeah you want to create that dynasty not just win one championship and you know yeah people forget about you unless yeah. the, unless you know it's the Chicago Bears in '85. No one forgets about them. <laughs> exactly. They were they were dominant. They were dominant. They, but they were dominant. But you know, but, but I mean, really, sports is just. I mean, I you know, I I just think about uh, what really you know kept me and and helped me was sports at an early age. I was you know I was I was good at sports, and the funny thing, Antoine, I learned through that whole process of just growing up that if you're good at one, if you're good at something, you use that to help you gain confidence in things you may be not good at, because if you accomplish something in one area, you know, things that you maybe are not so good at, you struggle with, you say, man, you were able to do this. You can do that. And I just, I say that to just as an example, um, I was good in sports. I had confidence in myself in sports, but believe it or not, I didn't always have that same confidence in the classroom. And mm -hmm. I used, I used my sports success um, or my confidence in sports to help me make that transition to be more confident in my academic skills. And, you know, I look back and I say it, it happened without even recognizing it happened, but you look back after you, you know, after you pass the situation, you look back and you realize my sports confidence helped me gain confidence in academics. And I'll never forget that. You know, because it's like, it's, it's still you. It's still the same person, you know, the person that's playing sports and the person in the classroom and the person that's in business is all the same person. So it's kind of like you have to just transfer that belief and that confidence and that energy from one department to the other. That's, really that's all it is. is. <laughs> that's all it is, you know. I mean, but, you know, it's it's uh, 
it's easier said than done because it's, you know yep. what happens so many times it's when something isn't easy we just you know fall back into default and say i can't do it you know like one of the things you know even working in the stores when i work with you know my team somebody said i can't do that mr Rowe. i said wait a minute we, we you've never done it don't say you can't do it so we're gonna learn to do it you know just because you've never done something doesn't mean you can't do it so we go through we 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 teach we teach ourselves and one another how how to accomplish something. And as you as you're making progress, you always feel more confident, you know. And you know, I always ask what comes first, you know, success or confidence. And still not sure, but I think they go hand in hand. You know, kind of like the chicken and the egg. If you got success, right, you have confidence. If you have confidence, you you have a greater chance of being successful. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask for two things as always. Number one, leave a five-star review. And number two, pass it on to a friend who may benefit from it as well. A new episode of Mogul Motivation will be out this week.